Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Okay. Wow. How many of you guys like the Lord met you in worship? Yeah? Same. God is really good. I feel like sometimes people, um, like whenever you lead worship at a place, they're like, oh, does, does the Lord meet the worship leader or are they just, you know, doing a task? No, 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 not in this house. In this house, the Lord meets me and I pray he meets you as well. So anyway, um, so this is Loving Well Part 2. And, you know, as I was getting ready to, to talk about this, uh, I was talking to Caitlin and Andrew, and uh, we we're just kind of reviewing kind of what the Lord is, has begun this year. And one of the things that's kind of a theme for our house this year is this is the year of doing what pleases God. So they presented that to us as a staff. And, of course, we're like, yes, like we agree with that. And then as we started talking, you know, more about what that looks like, I just thought it was so cool that the Lord put this particular subject on my heart because how many of you know that God is about you being healthy, right? He's about you being healthy in your physical body, but he's also about you being healthy in your relationships and in your family. And so I just think it's so perfect that as we endeavor to lean in to do what pleases God, we're going to learn to connect better with each other. So how many of you, by a show of hands, were here last week? I see a lot of faces I didn't see last week. Yes, nice. Uh, and how many of you were, you remembered me talking about the five love languages and keep your love on, which is the book that I'm basing this series off of? How many of you were planning, like, you're going to get one of these books? You already got, <laughs> look at you star pupils in here. She said, I already got one. How many of you want to get one, but you haven't yet? Okay, well, then who wants these? Which one do you want? Keep your love on or? This is the five love languages. So this is what I was talking about. This one. Oh, there you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. I wanted to, I just had that on my heart to give those away um, because I cannot, I cannot express it enough. You need to read these books you need to hear what God has to say, you know, through this teaching. And, um, yeah, it's just really good tools to have. And then next month, you're in for a real treat because the same guy who wrote, uh, you know, Keep Your Love On, he also wrote a book called Loving Our Kids on Purpose. It is a phenomenal book. And, you know, it's so funny. You start reading a parenting book, and you're like, this is going to help my kids get it together. Amen. And then as soon as you start reading this book, he's like, well, the issues with your kids are with you. So you're like, oh, okay, not what I was expecting. And of course, like, you know, that makes sense because your kids are going to be replicas of what you show in your house. And so if you're showing like strong leadership, if you're sh showing a strong presence-driven home, a strong connected home, then guess what? You're raising strong connected kids. And so uh, that's, you're going to be so blessed by that, I already know. Andrew and I read it uh, two years ago now, and we were just rocked by some of the principles in it. 
And we base our parenting off of that right now. It's not to say we're perfect at it. However, we're growing in grace, right, and in God's mercy to try to raise loving and connected kids. So I wanted to touch on some resources. So we just gave those two books away. Those are awesome resources. Um, but if you are like, man, if you, first of all, if you weren't here last week, like I encourage you to get online. We have our services. They always play back on YouTube. They're also on Facebook. I also, I think I, did I send you that slide, Christy, for resources? I did. Good job, me. So if you go to YouTube.com, this is our Trinity, or you even just go to YouTube and you type in Trinity Belmont, it'll be there. Also, you can listen to the messages on our website. If you are an Apple user, it's in the podcast. Every one of our messages, I mean, just about every, one, every single one of our messages is on Apple Podcasts. I think I told Mr. Greg that like six months ago. He goes, we have podcasts? I was like, yeah, we do, Mr. Greg. He was so thrilled about it. And then number four is BethelSozo.com. And that's because we're going to touch on this a little bit today. And this is about inner healing and going further than just like, okay, like I've learned this. Maybe you have some like deeper rooted issues that you're just like, how do I even get freedom from this? Like I keep doing what God says. I keep doing the word. Maybe I just need to take this a little step further. Uh, We wanted to present that to you as another resource. So yes, all the resources so that you can be equipped not only to hear these messages, but also to take it further, to take a step further. And I want to just empower you to take matters into your own hands, right? To take your own growth into your own hands. Yes? Awesome. Well, before we review, I'm going to take a seat and a sip of water. And let's pray. Father God, we just, we thank you so much that your tangible presence is already here. We thank you, Father, that you've already met us in such a beautiful way this morning. And we are just excited for what it is you have to say today. I ask, Father, that you would just make me um, your mouthpiece, your vessel to speak through and to work through. We've given you this entire space. You do, what, what, you do with it what you will, Father. We're open to that. We make a decision, a conscious decision, that our hearts and our minds are open to what it is that you have to say. And we thank you that we won't leave this place unchanged. We just thank you that, that you change us. You change our hearts. You rearrange the furniture. Whatever needs to be there, I thank you that it would stay. And what doesn't, I thank you that by your spirit, you would reveal it and it would go. And we just thank you for it. And if you agree with that, you say, amen. Awesome. Okay, so let's review. So we had keys to keeping our love on from last week. Um, And the keys were, you know, control no one but you, build and protect relational connections, seek out feedback and have hard talks. And then with connection, what are your relational goals? Are they healthy goals? What would you like your new relational goals to be? You should be writing those down and then expressing it with those that you love. You are a powerful person. No one makes you do anything. You have the power over your own emotions. And powerful does not mean dominating, right? You, um, yeah, powerful does not mean dominating. And then meet others the way they receive love. You're, you want to meet people where they, where they experience love. You want to learn what their love language is, and you want to speak that language to them. That's super important. And then second is communication. 
Don't use powerless methods to communicate. What are those powerless methods that we talked about? Just yell them out at me. What's one of them? Manipulating, yes, but we're talking about being passive in communication or aggressive in your communication or being the worst of being passive and the worst of being aggressive, which is passive-aggressive communication. Powerless methods of communication. We don't want to do that, right? And then we're going to fearlessly communicate our needs. And then we're going to practice truth. So what that means is when you crack open your heart to show what's really going on inside of you, it empowers other people around you to do the same. That means you're creating a space for people to be vulnerable around you. And I would, just for reiteration's sake, I'm going to reread the scriptures that we talked about last week as well. And those are 1 John 4.18. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So what that means to me is if you are having a hard time communicating your needs because fear causes you to not want to express those needs, then I would encourage you to take a deeper look into God's love, right? Because perfect love casts out all fear which means that in your relational connections, you have no fear of punishment from that person. And also, too, you love them so much that you're going to fight for connection no matter what it means, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it costs you, right? I'm going to fearlessly communicate my needs because I love this person and I desire for us to stay connected, right? And then Romans 12, this is verses 9 and 10. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. And verse 10, be, ten, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. And I'll just repeat this because I believe it's, we should always be talking about it and keeping our hearts right. But this means that you can't be sarcastic and genuine at the same time, right? You're one or the other. You're genuine with your expression of love or you're disingenuine with your expression of love. We don't want to be that, right? If the, if the word says to let your love be sincere, a real thing, then that needs to spill over into all of our relational connections. We're speaking in a way, right powerfully, we're speaking in ways that people know that when we say I love you, they know we mean it. When we give them our yes, they know we mean it. And even when we give them our no, they know we're not going to be moved from that because we mean it. Amen? And then my last, not my last verse, but my last review verse is 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So that the power of God that lives within you enables you to be a powerful person. So whenever the temptation comes for you to be powerless, I want you to remember that the word just said that that's not the spirit that God gave us. I think we think of it only as like operating in power, right? Oh, like the power of God's going to move through us and heal, heal someone. 
Yes, I believe that's true, but that same power that causes you to, to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover or watch the dead be raised is the same power that causes you to connect with people powerfully, is to communicate powerfully. It goes both ways, and I think sometimes we need to allow those things to translate in other ways. We, we sometimes are like super spiritual, which there's nothing wrong with being spiritual, okay? But connecting with your neighbor Connecting with your family and your friends in a healthy way is just as powerful as being able to lay hands on the sick. And why? Because that communicates the love of God. And we all want to be billboards for his goodness. We want to be billboards for his love. We want to show people in everything that we do that we're followers of Christ. Amen? And then for our last review, so boundaries. Powerful people set boundaries. Know the difference between a wall and a boundary, right? Walls are areas that no one has room to speak on. Not even God sometimes, right? We have a wall up. Boundaries are put in place to protect connection. Very important difference. Tend to your own garden. Or in other words, put on your own oxygen mask before you try to help others. And then remember to rest. I know we touched on the Sabbath last week. How many of you are like, you're like, I'm going to make it a, like a conscious effort to rest. And then your like efforts went out the window. Anybody? Oh, just, just me and uh, Pastor Caitlin back there? Okay. All right, cool. Oh, there we go. My honest people. <laughs> hey, but that's okay. You know what? You keep trying. You keep making it your goal because, because God's word says it. There is grace for us to obey him in that. Because he said it in his word, God's not an unjust or unkind God. If he says it, you can do it. Amen? Okay, so now that we've reviewed, we're all caught up if you weren't here last week. I'm going to start where I wanted to leave off last week, um, which was some of these principles, some of like keeping your love on, it seems like really daunting, or for some of my really literal people, you're like, this is super hard because I have to, like, follow it precept upon precept. And <laughs> I just want to bring some freedom in the room today that you need to leave space for grace and mercy where this is concerned. Like, this seems like a rigid principle. It seems, like, very difficult, but it's really not. If you're having a challenge with this, like you're saying, like, Carrie, I want to do this. I want to commit to living my life this way, but this is super hard. Then you're in good company, okay? Talk with someone. You can feel free to reach out to me or, or any one of our pastors, like Pastor Andrew or Pastor Caitlin. Like, they would be willing to speak with you, and myself, obviously, as well. Give yourself grace and mercy to catch on to this. I mean, how many of you, when you got saved, you just, you instantly, you didn't sin no more ever? Oh, I was looking for, oh, yeah, okay, pastor. <laughs> I was looking for somebody to be cheeky about that. Oh, thanks, pastor. So helpful. No, but that's not real, right? That The moment that we got saved, sin didn't fall off at the door. <laughs> we had to learn, right? We had to take time. We had to spend time in the word. We had to spend time. And then maybe for some of you, you got saved, but then it was when you got filled with the Holy Ghost and started to have that, that deeper relationship with him that not sinning became easier. <laughs> Notice I didn't say you stopped sinning, right? No, so it's the same with these principles. Whenever you learn something new and it's radical and you do want to make a change towards that, it doesn't mean it's going to come automatically. 
So I do want you to just take in, take that into consideration, even for myself. Like the first time I came into contact with this book, I think I said this last week, it was like two years ago, and I started reading it, and I was like, I don't know about all this. <laughs> just being transparent with you. He had something good to say. He had powerful things to say that were rocking my 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 mindset about relationships, but I wasn't ready to hear it at that time, at that point. But now, hearing it again, hearing the importance of it, seeing the importance of it among my relationships, taking some, even one of the principles that he expresses in this book has enabled me to, to change how I even view relationships um, or even how you deal with people. So I, I want to even express this to you too. Just because... You have a relationship that is very difficult um, where this person has burned you and burned you and burned you again and again and again. That does not mean, that doesn't give you the right uh, to cut that person off. It doesn't give you the okay to say, well, I'm just not, I'm just not going to deal with that person anymore. Yeah, LOL. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's true. I think that sometimes we try to utilize the word to give us the right um, to spiritually cut people out of our lives, right? And we're spiritual about it, and we're going to use a scripture or two to prove our point. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely not. Because here's the thing. People are not their behavior. How many of us, if people regarded us by the behavior that we exhibited— and then cut us off, like we would be so devastated. Here's why. As a person, you, and you have breath in your lungs, you're here on the earth. So that means that there is always an opportunity for redemption to take place. There is always an opportunity for God to come in on the scene, for you to have a revelation of how it is you're really supposed to be, and for you to make that change. I think I, I was listening to this message by Bill Johnson and um, he said this, and it just changed my perspective and the way that I see people, like, forever. He said, you know, the moment that we start to, to cast judgment on others, we immediately cancel ourselves out from becoming a redemptive solution in their life. So I just would encourage you, like, don't think that because I'm saying you need to use boundaries, that doesn't mean you get to cut people off. You may have boundaries, some strong and maybe rigid-looking boundaries for people, but you're still open to them. You still desire to connect with them out of a place of love. There's people in my life, even right now, that in order to protect my connection with them, I have some set boundaries, and I reiterate them often. Like, hey, this is getting a little disrespectful. Whenever you want to be respectful, we can have this conversation again. And before, it was met with, but I kept doing it and I kept saying it and I kept my love on towards this person and now when I say hey this is getting a little disrespectful I love you when you're ready to talk we can talk they say all right (laughs) so it does work it may take time but it does work and what am I doing I'm expressing I'm not keeping myself from you but this is how we can communicate I'm not saying you have to be far away from me, but this is how we're going to relate to one another. And that's super important because if you don't express boundaries, what does that open the door to? Bitterness. It opens the door to you being angry with this person. 
Obviously, somebody needed to hear that because I actually was not even going to go into all that. So it's fine. But that's good. How many of you are getting something already? Good, good, good. So something I did want to even touch on is that another reason that some of this might be just really difficult is maybe you grew up, well, maybe you grew up in like a perfect home and like your parents both loved you very much. And God bless you because seriously, that's super important. But even if you grew up in a a super great loving home, maybe these relational aspects were not there. Maybe there was no like keeping your love on. And so that's why this is also super important. But even more so, if you grew up in a home that was maybe toxic. Uh, I heard someone say at an event I was at, yeah, the way we communicated was yelling at each other, you know. So for, in order to be heard, we yelled and hollered, and that's the way we communicated. <laughs> and, of course, this, this woman, she was, you know, expressing that she, you know, learned to not do that in her family. And that's beautiful. We all need to learn to not communicate that way. But maybe if, you know, like I was talking about Sozo, Maybe if that was the case for you, and you're like, I'm applying these principles, but I'm still having such a hard time. Well, maybe it's because you need to gain some new tools in your tool belt. Maybe there was a toxic environment. Maybe when you were a child, whenever you had a need and you expressed your need, that need went unmet, and it created a cycle of mistrust. Now you've taken this cycle of mistrust into every relationship and you treat everyone as if they're always going to be, if they're always going to let you down. You never even give opportunity for people to do the right thing because you are so stuck in your cycle of mistrust. So I invite you, in fact, I implore you, investigate that in your own heart. You know if you've come from a toxic environment, right? Nobody needs to write that down for you. You know if things have really not gone, you know, exactly as they should, so then you get with God. Rewrite the trust cycle. Um, another example of this is, you know, when children are born, they, they learn right away that they're going to express needs. How do they express them? They cry, yes. And that need is met by a mother coming to pick that child up and comforting, figuring out what's going on. And then there's a, so there's a need, the need's expressed, There's a response to the need. The need is satisfied. That's the trust cycle. Well, the mistrust cycle works the same way, just opposite. There is a need. There's an express for that need. There's no response to the need. The the need is left unmet, and that continues to happen. And so what I really need you to hear today is that God God is not the one who was dysfunctional in your family. God was not the dysfunctional parent that you had. He can be trusted, and that's why I even think that it's important that he put Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Bible, right? That we make our bodies a worship unto him, but we also renew our mind. We need to unlearn bad habits. In fact, let's go there. Romans 12 in the Amplified. Christy, I warned you this would happen. I'm sorry. I didn't give this scripture to her because I said I would reference it, but I might not go to it. Are you going to beat me there? I'm in the Amplified too, Christy. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter, LOL. I'm in 1 Corinthians. Okay. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties 
as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And then verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, or fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now that's a tall order. It's an even taller order if you've gone through traumatic experiences. So whenever we're relearning these things, I, I love it because he always gives an invitation for you to kind of dive a little bit deeper and also get yourself the help that you need if you've experienced bad relational connections in the past. And it's especially important to figure out how, if those things are not right in you, because what happens when we're caught up in a mistrust cycle, right? At some point in our life, we expressed a need and no one met that need. And so we just have this, we have now this survival idea in our mind. We're going to do what it takes to survive. And if that means I have to manipulate you to control your actions so that I can get my need met, then I'm going to do it. And I don't think, I think sometimes that sounds like super malicious and horrible, but I don't think it's a conscious effort anymore. Because once you've lived your life like that for so long, it's just out of, it's just out of like, you know, repetition that you do it because you're just trying to get your need met. So whenever we believe the lie of the mistrust cycle, it turns into, well, God doesn't love me. Like, why would he meet my need? I like, he'll meet everybody else's need, but he's not going to meet my need. So why would I trust him? Right? And that's even more so why it's so important, because if you can't believe that God is good and that he wants to do good things for you, he wants to bless you abundantly, then how the heck are you going to believe that people want good for you? And how are you going to know that people are for you and not against you? And then it's important that whenever we do communicate and you're expressing your need, Right, you've gotten past the mistrust cycle. You're like, I'm not going to allow my past to dictate what I do right now. Whenever you're communicating your needs, you're doing so from the place that we love the person speaking to us. Like, I'm going to tell you the needs that I have because I love you and I want to stay connected with you. There, and then I wanted to say this too because I've, I've been, I've said it before. Okay, I'll just be the first one to tell you. We cannot love someone but not like them. <laughs> just let it sink in, okay? Um, this is actually like some wisdom from a friend of mine. And I, like, I was like, dang, that's like really good. And the Lord really started to talk to me about that. Because if you just start confessing, yeah, I love that person with the love of God, but I don't like them. Mm-mm, don't like them at all. <laughs> like what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Because if the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts and we do operate out of the Spirit and one of the fruits of the Spirit is, the first one is love, right? Then it doesn't matter what that person does. You're not going to move from your place of love for them and allow their personality or things that maybe you don't disagree with to move you. This is another aspect of being powerful. In fact, it's not a powerful statement to say I love them but I don't like them. 
That is enabling powerlessness. Why? Because you've already allowed yourself, like I said, to move from a spot of love for them because of things that they've done in the past or things you don't agree with. So it's super important that we keep in mind, like, no, I I love everyone. I love everyone. In fact, it is, it's, you know, the Christian thing, the Christ-following thing to love everyone, regardless of what they've done, right? Because we're not attaching their behavior to them as a person. If Jesus died on the cross because of our behavior, our sin, and he doesn't associate us with that anymore, then who are we to do the same with others? Hope your toes are okay. And whenever we're communicating um, our needs, you know, something that he talks about in the book, it's really funny. He's like, well, you should just know my needs. Like, you know me. You should just know what I need already. And it's like, okay, well, even God who does know your needs still tells you to come with the needs that you have, right? In Psalms 37.5, it says, commit your way to the Lord, roll and repose each of your, each care of, of your load on him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So, yes, he is aware of your need, and yet he still says to commit your way to him. However, since people are not almighty God, (laughs) it doesn't matter how much you know a person. It is actually disrespectful for you to assume what this person needs or how they feel. I know it's that, that's almost a paradigm shift because whenever we do it, it's out of love, right? Or we think it's out of love. I know what they need because I know them. I've seen this pattern before. I know them. No, but you're actually allowing that person to be, power, to be powerless. How do, how do you empower them? Allow them to express the need that they have. You see this a lot in parenting dynamics, right? Well, I know that, I mean, even for myself, my dad would know that I needed money as an early 20-something-year-old because I did. And so he would constantly fund whatever foolishness I was involved in. And it would, I'm not even saying, like, sin, right? I'm just saying, like, I bought coffee. I wasn't looking at my account. It overdrafted. And he was like, okay, here's some more money, you know? He knew what I needed, and he didn't even ask me a lot of times. He would just look at my account. And, of course, like, later on in life, I was like, wow, if he kept doing that, like, that was really enabling me to be powerless, Because if he's funding my life then, he would be funding my life now. Because I would have never learned to take responsibility for my own actions. I would have waited for him to meet my need. And guess what? That puts my father in the place of my God spot. Where we ought to be learning to trust in, lean on, rely on the Lord. If we never learn to be powerful when we're younger... Or even in the stage that you're at, if you never learn to be powerful right now, you're always going to have misplaced needs. And if you have misplaced needs in one area, surprise, it spills out into the other areas. And you have misplaced needs in your close inner circle. I know we talked about boundaries last week and how not everyone deserves the same level of access to you. But even in those core circle, even in your core circle of people that you love and you trust and you, they're allowed to be in this space, if they start to take the place of your God spot, it's wrong. And you have to set appropriate boundaries. There's a verse, man, I want to read it, but 
pastor, what's that verse in the Bible where Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan? Hmm? He's talking to Peter. I can't remember where it is. It's in the Bible. Just trust me. I hate to reference something that I don't know where it is. But Jesus tells Peter, because Peter, or Jesus is expressing to the disciples, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be, you know, really beaten, and I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. And Peter says, well, wait a minute. You can't do that. This is a good thing we've got going here. We love that you're here. Oh, hey, you found it. How did you do that? That's amazing. I just love you. Okay. But Jesus turned away from Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You are in my way, an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me. For you are minding what partakes, not of the nature and quality of God, but of men. So Peter's like, we got a good thing going. And we think like, wow, Jesus called Peter Satan. No, he didn't. What he was addressing was the enemy himself. Why? Because the enemy was always against what God wanted to do. He was always against the purpose that Jesus came to earth for. And in that moment, Peter was in agreement with Satan. So even with your close friends, people that you love so dearly, the moment that they get too close and they try to get in the spot that only God himself belongs, you need to say, with love in your heart, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't literally mean that, okay? Don't be calling people Satan, okay? But be aware of what that means. Be aware of what that looks like because only God Almighty deserves your God spot. He's the only one worthy of it. He's the only one that's going to meet your need and love you better than any, anybody, even better than your husband. I'm married. I could, oh, I know. Shocking, babe. God's going to love me better than you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a breath. Take a water break, everybody. Whenever I was reading, you know, that part of the book, I was, like, shocked kind of, right? Because I'm like, man, I never saw that scripture that way, that Jesus was telling Peter, like, no, I'm going to be about my father's business. And that was Jesus' whole thing, his whole life. And, I mean, we see that throughout scripture so beautifully. Like, Jesus, he kept close friends, but yet and still, he was always about doing the will of the father, He was always about going towards what the will of the Father was for him. And that needs to be us. And it's the one thing that supersedes whatever season you're in. You should always be trying to do the will of the Father, aiming to do the will of the Father. And none of your connections should stop you from doing so. And this brings me to, um, you know, keys four and five, which, oh, wait, before you put that up there. So this is my second of three, like, you know, sessions for loving well. Um, we had a lot of really good feedback last week, which is great because that means that God really is on this. And so this is going to be the last time, but we're going to do it. We're going to have one more session of loving well. Um, but I really felt like, you know, and Pastor, Pastors Caitlin and Andrew really felt it was important to emphasize certain parts of this, which is what I've been talking to you about, you know, thus far. You know, if you have had toxic relationships or, or toxic, or uh, I want to say, what's that word? Trauma. If you've had trauma that kind of affect how you deal with people, then you need to take time, investigate that, know what that looks like, and then get with God to reverse 
that damage, right? Because yes, God, he has healed us. He's thoroughly healed us. It's just, I feel like it's us that needs to get on that same page. It's us that needs to see how healed we are, how free we are. And that's even what sozo means, saved, delivered, healed, and set free, right? And so when I was studying this part, I was like, okay, well, what other keys could I give or could the Lord give, really, in order to continue loving people well? And um, I added number four, which is I am a powerful person. You are a powerful person. Throughout this journey, what you come back to, when you look at all these keys, I hope that you take with you that no matter what happens in life, you are powerful. You can do this. This is a difficult thing that we've been talking about, but you can do it. And, you know, even something that I, whenever, now I take a lot of inventory after, you know, this has become really a revelation in my heart. Whenever I get upset with, with my husband, it's normally you, babe, but it's okay. It's because we're the closest. That's why. Whenever I get upset with him, I'm like, oh, he made me mad. I'll go, well, Lord, I'm a powerful person. So what, what's really going on? Like, why did that upset me? And then once you're able to have that inner dialogue, like, okay, what, what's really going on? Because I'm in charge of my own emotions. Andrew's not in charge of my emotions. And you are in charge of your own emotions. No one else controls them. So when I'm able to, to take power back for myself, and I can say, okay, what's really happening? I can then go to him and say, you know, I just felt like when you said X, Y, and Z, that it meant this toward me. And what does that do? It immediately breaks down whatever wall we had between us, and it opens the, it opens the door for communication, transparent communication. Because like I was saying before, right, when we crack open our hearts and we share vulnerabilities that we have, it enables that person to do the same thing. And nine times out of ten, actually ten times, would you say that that helped you, babe? Yeah, good job. Just kidding. I didn't tell him to say that. That's his real feelings. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Better say that. No, I'm just kidding. No, but we've, we've been practicing this in our marriage. And even like um, I said, oh, yeah. So last week I texted him because I was like, I just need to be vulnerable and express like what I'm feeling. And I texted him and I said, I just feel like we've really not connected well. And it was all I said, and then I had the super, like, the busiest day ever, so then I never talked to him again. Well, the next time I did talk to him, he said, well, we're going on a date, so whenever, <laughs> whenever you come home, you just go ahead and get dressed. We're going to go on a date. I was like, how are we going to go on a date? We have a baby, like a whole baby that she needs us. He was like, well, don't you even worry, because I talked to Faith, and Faith is going to take care of our baby, and we're going on a date. And I was like, we really are? And he was like, yeah. What did he do? He heard disconnection. Well, I don't want there to be disconnection. You know what he could have done instead? Well, I don't know why you feel so disconnected. You probably feel disconnected because you're pregnant and hormonal, right? He could have said, well, I didn't do nothing, so it's just you. <laughs> but instead, he didn't do that. He instead said, okay, I'm sensing that my wife, my first ministry, remember, has a need. She's expressed a need. I want to meet that need and keep our connection close. And even though, and so we did go on a date and we had, we had hard talks, right? We communicated about what that disconnect was about. And you have to do that. You have to do that. If you want your relationships to thrive, I don't even just mean marriage relationships, but if you want any of your relationships to thrive, you have to be okay with being vulnerable. You've got to be okay with expressing when things are not like absolutely amazing. It's, it needs to be a normal thing. 
Why? Because if we're doing what pleases God, if this is the year where we say, I want to do what pleases you, God, that means that your relationships need to be in a healthy spot. Getting to a healthy spot doesn't mean there's never waves, that there's never an issue. But you keep your love on, and you control only you, right? Because that was our first, our first uh, key, was that we're only controlling ourselves, and we're going to do whatever it takes to be connected to that other person. And key number five is that God's grace empowers me. Oh, wait, I did it out of order. I think it's supposed to be four, that I'm a powerful person, and five, God's grace empowers me. Maybe I forgot to do that one. This is what happens when I'm in charge of my slides. Just, you know, I forget things. <laughs> but another key is that God's grace empowers you. I've said this, you know, once and twice, and I'll say it again. If it's in the word, God's grace empowers you to do it. And the biggest thing about this is that we want to love others well, right? And God has a lot to say about love. He loves us in the ways that he expresses in his word. And so, therefore, we can love others the way he loves us. Amen? Oh, I'm doing so good on time. Good job, me. I think that's all that I had for you guys today, really. I wanted to review everything that we talked about last week. And, of course, about, you know, toxic things that have happened in relationships. But also communicating your needs powerfully. And fighting for connection. Fight to stay connected with people. It's very, very important. And you can come up, actually. Um, and I, I, I know, I recognize that this room is filled with probably different dynamics of people. You know, maybe your background is different, and that's okay. Maybe you, you were that person that had two loving parents, and they were awesome. But maybe you still didn't learn this. Maybe you still picked up things that were not exactly of God when it comes to connecting with people. Um, I want you to know that, one, that's okay, obviously, um, but don't stay that way, right? Because once we learn that we have things in our lives that are unhealthy, it's now our responsibility to face that thing head on and to get healing. If you've been hurt or burned, guess whose responsibility it is to to find healing, to get restoration, because you know the restorer of your soul. You know him. And so being powerful, right, Be from switching from powerlessness to powerful means that I'm taking my own recovery, my own healing into my own hands. Not to say that, like, you know, we, we don't go to anyone. We don't have any accountability. No, but you're seeking out, okay, God, I know that you're the healer. I know that you, you're good. So would you help me in this? And even having accountability, I can't express that enough. It's important that you talk with people that maybe know a little bit more than you so that you're able to be well. I talk to people all the time that know more than me. Miss Eileen's one of them. <laughs> Love you. Pastor Caitlin's another one of them. Why? Because I'm so determined that my heart is going to be pure to people. I'm so determined that, to have a pure heart. I'm so determined that if, if anyone has an issue with me, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because maybe there's something in them or whatever, but I'm always going to choose to be powerful. And I'm not going to blame people for their powerlessness. No, I'm going to encourage them and invite them to be powerful. I'm going to create an environment around me that enables powerfulness. And can our prayer partners come up? I don't know who all are prayer partners today, but I'd love our prayer partners to come up. And I just want to open up 
you know, the altar for you to take time to maybe like do some inventory in your own heart. Has that been you in the past? Have there been things before that have really caused you to turn your love off? Maybe there is something in your life that like you want to walk free from, but maybe you need another, you need a hand. Yes, the teaching is good. The resources are good, but now it's God's turn. Now you want a touch from the Lord and for him to put his hand in it, for him to get involved in a bigger way, in a mightier way. I would just invite you to come. And if there's no one, hey, praise God. Look, that's totally okay. But as Andrew leads us into worship, I just want you to take inventory of your own heart. Take time. Ask the Lord, is there anything within me? What would you like to see that's not there right now, Lord? And just give him place and respond accordingly. Amen.